invite you to open up your Bibles, the Bible that you brought with you, or the Bible that's there in the pew, or uh, if you're using your cell phone, the Bible app, the YouVersion Bible app, you can tap more than the three lines at the bottom right-hand corner of your screen, then events, and then you'll find Grace Lutheran Church, and it'll pop right up to John chapter 1. That's on page 739 in your pew Bible. As you're getting to John chapter 1, let me share the news with you that it is exactly one week until Christmas. Okay, does this news fill you with tidings of comfort and joy? Yes, for some. Or perhaps in the face of what you still have left to accomplish, does this announcement leave you with a pit in your stomach wrapped in a bundle of stress? Has your once childlike anticipation of I just can't wait for Christmas to come been eclipsed by the increasing responsibilities of adulthood and shifted your mindset to, I just can't wait for Christmas to be over. <laughs> Beloved, there's still time to enter into the space of Advent, a space reserved, as we've discussed these last few weeks, not for doing, not the burden of doing, but for the sake of being. There's still time not to bow before the false gods that demand we make Christmas happen, but to come and behold, as we heard so eloquently shared with us by our Grace Community Choir, to come and behold the true God who comes to bring us Christmas. During these last few weeks, if you haven't been with us, we've been listening in on a conversation between an educated and accomplished man looking for God named Nicodemus and the person who was God in the flesh, the man named Jesus Christ. It wasn't Christmas time when they had this conversation, but Nicodemus, you'll remember, was offered a gift, the greatest gift of all, an invitation into the kingdom of God. Nicodemus has been invited to cross over the threshold of a broken, unforgiving, and finite world into the emerging reality of a wholly new, absolutely forgiving, and eternal life with God. All jolly old Saint Nicodemus needs to do to receive this gift is to be born anew. Born from above, there is nothing else that Nicodemus can do. The work required for his delivery unto salvation is the work of the Spirit. Like Mary, all he has to do is believe, to say yes to the Lord, and to embrace the life of Christ birthed and grown within and out of him. That's what we've discovered over these past few weeks. And today, as we turn away from this conversation, from the third chapter of John to the beginning of his gospel, the first chapter, as we make this move, we're going to hear the word that was given to Nicodemus become the word made flesh and given to us. His invitation, Nicodemus' invitation from Jesus is about to become our invitation Mary's annunciation will become the announcement of our rebirth. Now is the moment when we stop listening in on someone else's conversation, and through the opening words of the Gospel of John, God starts a dialogue with us about who he is come down to us, about who he seeks to be known to us in Christ. I invite you to, to listen as I read from John chapter 1. I was going to begin in chapter, verse 9, but I just can't not read the verses before. So, beginning in verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, 
And that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of human descent, not of a human decision, nor a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I don't know if you ever noticed this, but I find it fascinating that Jesus' name is never mentioned here in the prologue to the Gospel of John. If you look at it again, neither are the words Messiah or Christ. It's as though John writes, assuming we know whom he is talking about. And we do. But while John assumes we know who he is talking about, he fills us in on what to expect when we are expecting Jesus the Christ, our Messiah. And for me, the key verse that reveals what we are to expect in Christ, what we are to expect from Jesus, is the last one I just read, the last one, verse 14. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. There it is. These are the two things for us to expect when we're expecting Jesus. Truth and grace. And so this morning, I'd like to briefly unwrap both of these gifts that are ours in Christ. First, let's talk about truth. The coming of Jesus reveals the truth about two things. It reveals the truth about God, and it reveals the truth about the world and ourselves. With the words, in the beginning, John takes us back to the moment before time, long ago and forever, as recounted in the Genesis story of creation, when the world as we know it, the universe of which we are a part, came into being. Once where there was only darkness, there came light. The light that pierced the darkness initiated the giving of the land, the sky, vegetation, living creatures from the water, from the air, and from the earth, and us, humankind, made in the image and likeness of God. Hearkening back to this moment, John declares, through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. John is not so subtly telling us the truth, that Jesus doesn't just give us new life, In and through Christ, the light, we were given our first life, our very being. And not just us. Jesus is the light through whom everything exists. The first gift that we receive in Jesus Christ is the truth that God is our creator and our king. And that in Jesus, coming as Christ, God has laid claim upon us. 
He wants us back. We may look to other sources of light for wisdom, for guidance, for comfort. We may even credit or worship other light sources as our reason of, for being. But John declares without reservation singularly the truth that Jesus is the true light. This light, Jesus, is the source of our life, all life. This life, Jesus, is the means for new life, our resurrection, our coming home. That's the first truth that Jesus reveals to us. And according to John, the second truth, the coming of Jesus reveals to us is the truth not only about God, but the truth about this world and ourselves. And the truth is, we are a people living in darkness. By our own fault, our own willful disobedience, or unconscious ignorance. The whole creation has been frustrated. This whole world has been thrown back into its precondition before God first said, let there be light. And all things were made through the, life, the light of Christ. And that precondition, you remember, was darkness. It was chaos and disorder. For John, the truth of the Christmas story is not about angels or shepherds, not about stars or wise men or any of the rest. The Christmas story, for John, the significance of what we celebrate every December is about the light, the light that shines in the darkness. Jesus is the spotlight shining in the darkness of our world and our lives. Jesus is the true light shed upon our lives, revealing everything. No compulsion is dark enough, no desire buried deep enough, no motive is masked thick enough to escape this light. The light of Jesus Christ lays bare everything within us, both the good and the bad. And piece by piece, Jesus illuminates the unseen, the unacknowledged, the unresolved places of our pain, our hurt, our suffering, as well as the hurt and the pain and the suffering of others. Now, facing the truth about ourselves, our strengths, our weaknesses, our successes, our failures, our opportunities and our limitations, facing the truth about this world, all the discord, the chaos, the injustice, the brokenness it bears that we know so well, facing the truth about our complicity in all that is wrong with this world, and our obligation, our debt to our creator can fill us with fear and dread. We can be tempted to try and hide in the darkness, much like Adam and Eve did. But there is nowhere to hide from God. We can be tempted to try to deal with the darkness ourselves, but there is no light we can create or turn on in the midst of this kind of darkness the truth of Christ reveals there is no way for us to magically change what we have become and what has happened to this world. Now understand me, truth is a good thing. Truth is a good thing. It gives solidity to reality. But truth by itself, especially when we collide with it, especially when it is, the, it is the truth of our own inadequacies and failures, our own heartbreak and doubt, truth can be crippling. But John shares with, us, shares with us the coming of Jesus, the presence of the light of Christ in our lives is not just about exposure, bringing to surface what is hidden, forgotten, or forsaken, facing the truth about God, about this world and ourselves. 
While we can expect to receive truth when we are expecting Jesus, John also tells us we can expect, thankfully, mercifully, to receive grace. All that is revealed by this light is not to shame us. It's not to dismiss us. It's not even to reject us. As the light of Christ bears our souls, the truth, as our faults and our blemishes are no longer hidden, this light also provides grace. The radiance of forgiveness, the assurance of redemption, the ultimate work of healing and the promise of salvation. Grace, truth and grace. Grace, not getting what we deserve, that's grace. But also getting what we have no right to claim, that's grace. And look at how John here in this prologue reveals this grace in the midst of the truth the truth of our relationship to Jesus. Look at how John points to this grace. In verse 10, the truth is, John says, we don't recognize our creator. We don't recognize the one who made us, who made everything, but God in Christ comes down to us to be with us anyway. That's grace. Verse 11, the truth is, we don't receive our father. We who are his own, we who are his children reject him. And yet, in Christ, God comes down to be for us, to save us anyway. That's grace. Even though we aren't looking for God, too busy making and worshiping our own self-made false gods, even though we don't have room for God in our lives, filling up our time and our thoughts with other priorities and pursuits, even though we won't acknowledge God, refusing to believe, taking for granted the continued blessings and everyday miracles that we just presume to be just how it's supposed to be. Despite all of this, we are loved. We receive grace. John writes, we encounter the word made flesh. We experience new life in the spirit. We are given the right to belong and the right to become the children of God. Through the grace of exchanging his life for ours, Jesus Christ gives us the right to be reborn. And John, in case we miss this, drives the reality of this grace home in verse 12. When he tells us we are granted the right to know the unknowable God, to recognize ourselves as those children beloved of God, we are granted the right to know, to recognize, not because of biology, John writes, not because of natural descent, not because of deterministic science, because that's just how our bodies work. No, not because of any human decision or our free choice. John says we are granted the right to know the unknowable God, to recognize ourselves as those children beloved of God. We are children of God, born anew, John writes, because we are born from above restored to God's intention in creation, adopted into the family we divorced ourselves from by the Spirit of God, by the grace of God's initiative. You see, and I, I find this compelling, for John, the Christmas story is always set in the context of creation. For John, creation is not an event of the past. Creation is the truth and grace of the ongoing life of God with his people. Christmas is God continuing to give life to his people in Christ. Through Jesus, God is giving God's own life to his people. 
The truth and grace of the light of the incarnation is as if God said, I want humanity to see my face. I want them to hear my voice. I want them to touch me. I want to live their life. I want them to live my life. We so often speak and we get it from the gospel of John, of Jesus as the truth, the life, and the way. In other words, the truth of Jesus also brings the way out of darkness, grace into the life we were created for, the life we were meant to live, a life of truth and grace, a life lived without fear, a life lived in peace. Do you see it this morning in describing Jesus as the light? John is not pointing to something functional, as if Jesus is the best light bulb ever. Or Jesus is even better than the sun around which our planet revolves. No, John, in talking about Jesus as the light, John is pointing us towards a relationship. As he puts it, the one who dwells with us, who takes residence among us, is the son who comes from the father. When I read the prologue to John, the poetry of what he writes here, I best view it as a love song. It's a song not about us loving God, as much as it is a song about God loving us, loving us so much to deliver truth and grace into our lives through Jesus Christ. Because you see, for me, if the truth of Christ is the illumination, the revelation that we are loved, then the grace of Christ is the insight that we are loved even though we don't deserve it. And receiving Jesus is embracing both the truth and the grace of God. The light of God's love. A light that, interestingly, John insists the darkness cannot overcome. And when John writes that, the light that the darkness cannot overcome, my thoughts immediately go to Paul, who wrote in Romans chapter 8, about the unconquerable love of God, from which we can never be separated. So my friends... As we near the close of this Advent season, as it's almost time to celebrate Christmas, John has told us what to expect when we're expecting Jesus. It's interesting, unlike the Gospels of Matthew and Luke, John gives little attention to the details of Jesus' birth. This is because John, if you didn't catch it, is ultimately more interested in our birth, in your birth and mine, our new birth as the children of God. And that's interesting to me because while we persist in thinking and celebrating Christmas as Jesus' birthday, John tells us, no, it's not his birthday at all. Rather, it's yours. As we continue to prepare to receive Jesus anew in our hearts, what God delivers in us through the birth of Christ is going to exceed our expectations. It's going to exceed even our hopes because Christmas is the day we celebrate our birth as children of God. It's the day we celebrate the keeping of all of God's promises. It's the day we celebrate the beginning of the restoration of all creation. And how many of us this morning need to hear and receive this kind of truth and grace right now? How many of us this morning need this kind of unconditional and sacrificial love in our lives? If you're here this morning and you find yourself living in the land that deep place of deep darkness, if you find yourself disoriented, uncertain, asking yourself, does God not care? If you ask yourself, how am I supposed to see God revealed in this situation that I'm in? Know this, 
You cannot turn on the light in that kind of darkness. No form of artificial light will do. You can only wait and look for the light. The light that has come, the light that is coming, the true light, the light full of grace and truth, the light of Christ. There is no delay, despite how it seems to you. There is no distance, despite how it feels. There is only reorientation, being given eyes to see. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. My friends, the word became flesh and has never ceased living among us. The word became flesh and will never cease living among us. Don't give up this morning, if that's you. Be still and know that he is God. Even if you can't understand him, even if you can't see him, God is with you. Even if you don't feel him, God in Christ is for you. The truth and grace of the light that is Christ is the revelation that no matter what darkness we find ourselves in, we are not alone. And this is not the end for us. We have not been abandoned. We will not be rejected. We are loved. And the truth and grace of the light of the love that is Christ is the darkness will never prevail. The dawn, the dawn of hope, the dawn of tomorrow, the rise of new possibilities, of the emergence of new life will always come. And so we pray, not just at Advent, not just at Christmas, but every day of our lives, come, Lord Jesus, come. Amen.